African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning and thank you for joining us here on African Dialogue. You're listening to Channel Africa, where we give you news from an African perspective. Remember, I'm Benjamin Mushatama. We'll be with you until until midday Central African time. You're listening to us on the shortwave frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. We are also on uh, uh, DSTV on Channel 802 on the audiobook. Well, today we're looking at a more business economics regional story. The South Africa India Business Summit took place uh, on the 29th to the 30th of April, just a few days ago, which was aimed at increasing and maximizing economic opportunities between the two BRICS countries. South Africa's Trade and Industry Minister Rob Davies said the two countries should develop strong links to address issues pertaining to inclusivity and curbing poverty and inequality. Davis has expressed his interest in increasing South African companies' footprints in India, while there are currently 130 Indian companies doing business in South Africa, employing about 18,000 citizens and injecting millions into uh, the local economy. Well, joining us on our program, we're joined by the High Commissioner of South Africa uh, in India, or rather the High Commissioner of India to South Africa. I apologize for that. Her Excellency Ruchira Kamboj, and also we've got Jamil Chant, who is the acting CEO of the Gauteng Growth and Development Agency. Let me start with you, High Commissioner, in terms of why now, why do we have this particular moment where this first summit was actually looking at this particular India and South Africa business relationship? I know this relationship is not a new one, but why the need to cement uh, uh, the two countries working together? Uh, I often get asked this question, and my answer to that is very short and simple. Why not now? Sure. (laughs) Well, that is a very sweet and brief. But what brought this particular moment now? I'm sure it was because there have been long talks, and maybe there has been maybe more of uh, uh, a more intentional relationship between South Africa and India. And how did that come about, High Commissioner? Well, um, I've uh, assumed uh, the mantle about uh, six months ago and uh, because this is a new High Commissioner and a new team, so we felt that we must take a new initiative. And in terms of that particular initiative, I know that India and South Africa are planning to increase trade between the two countries to about uh, 248 billion rands, uh, South African rands, in the next five years. How can this be realized? Which industries and sectors are the two countries aiming to collaborate with? Well, uh, first of all, this target of doubling bilateral trade and investment was set in July 2016 when the Indian Prime Minister Sri Narendra Modi paid a state visit to South Africa in July 2016. So that was the mandate set by the political leadership on the two sides. So there is a background to this doubling of figures. Mm. We are now taking that vision forward. As far as the second part of your question is concerned about the sectors which have potential, I can tell you straight away that during the summit, 
and in the India-South Africa CEO Forum, the mm. following have been identified with enormous potential. Mining, uh, food processing, renewables, IT and IT-enabled services, skills and education, as well as huge potential in the SMME sector between our two countries. Let me bring in Jamil Chant, who is the acting CEO of the Gauteng Growth and Development <coughs> Agency. Jamil, thank you for also giving us your time. The High Commissioner has highlighted and later in her description of the industries, ITC, agriculture, and we know mining as well. And we know that India has a very robust um, um, industrialization uh, space in itself. And there's a lot <coughs> where South Africa can actually learn from India what are we as South Africa getting from this particular deal? Well, uh, firstly, good morning to, to yourself and to the High Commissioner. Uh, good morning. And thank you for, for bringing us on, onto this, this uh, program. Um, I, I think, Benjamin, I, I, I think it's quite, quite a good question that you're asking. Um, and as was indicated on, on earlier on, the relationship between South Africa and um, India and Gauteng in India is not a new one. It's something that has been evolving over time. And, um, you know, it has the potential to, to, to grow. I mean, both South Africa and India are part of, of BRICS. We are both developing nations. Uh, we share a, a, a certain uh, kind of economy, uh, economic outlook as well. And also, I think just politically, there's a, a shared history to, to a large extent as well. Now, from a Gauteng Growth and Development Agency point of view, our, our mandate is really to look at how we are able to enhance and increase uh, trade between the two countries and how we can foster and fast-track investment as well. Uh, and hence, I think we've, we've been working with, with the High Commissioner in terms of seeing how we strengthen, strengthen these uh, arrangements. Mm. Now, like you've said, I mean, India is on a path uh, with, with um, uh, regarding uh, increased industrialization. Gauteng has adopted what we call the TMR uh, strategy, which is transformation, modernization, and reindustrialization, mm-hmm. which is also aimed at basically taking uh, Gauteng to, to the next level of, of reindustrialization. We understand that we do have a certain past. You know, previously, Gauteng, uh, Johannesburg in particular, Igoli was the center for, for the mining industry. We've seen a huge decline in that. Um, we now need to see how do sure. we now begin to look at the minerals that we still have. And as High Commissioner indicated, there's huge potential in terms of, of mineral beneficiation between Gauteng and, and India that, that, could, um, that we need to place on the agenda and see how we, we take that to the next level as well. Um, so there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from the path that India is taking and the path that we are currently on as well in terms of, of uh, transformation, modernization, and reindustrialization as well. Mm. Um, a lot of the, the sectors that the High Commissioner alluded to are also the key sectors that the Gauteng uh, government has identified as high priority and high growth sectors. So the fact that there's that kind of alignment between what India is seeking to do and what Gauteng is seeking to do only makes sense that we actually find ourselves working towards a a kind of mutually beneficial uh, partnership, Mm. and this is what we're trying to do now. Jamil, staying with you, while you're talking there, especially from a provincial perspective, which is Gauteng in South Africa, it's very interesting to 
see what's happening in uh, India's industries because they have a very uh, robust uh, space whereby they are they can manage their micro businesses and also macro uh, businesses as well yeah. and streamline it into the mainstream. And uh, we in Gauteng have a lot of informal uh, businesses that are taking place and we very much struggle in making sure that we align them into the mainstream somehow. Yeah. And there are lessons to learn from India in this regard. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, within within the Gauteng Provincial Government, we have an agency called the Gauteng Economic Propeller that is, is basically geared towards providing support to small um, and micro businesses that, that you're referring to as well. Um, and, and, and I think for us it's about taking the learnings um, that's coming through from India, seeing how we can then, um, you know, locate that within the work that we're doing at, at, at GEP as well. But Benjamin, just, just to, to indicate as well that, I mean, you know, what we saw happening over the weekend um, is really not a once-off event. Uh, what 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 uh, Houting and 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 the high commission uh, the, the the high commissioner's office has done is we've actually created through another process that uh, Houting has actually piloted called the Houting Consultative Business Forum, mm. which is an initiative where um, Houting GGDA basically goes out and seeks partnerships with key sectors and with key countries as well. Uh, a few months ago, we actually had a country session with with India, noting that India is, has this potential that there is this partnership that we can develop. And out of that session that we had with India, uh, we've actually formed a task team that has identified and is in the process of identifying what are some of the key practical initiatives that Gauteng and India can step-by-step step getting involved with so that we can build this partnership. So it's not just, okay, let's have a seminar, let's have a conference, great. Mm-hmm great speech, whatever, you know, uh, we'll see you guys again next year, you know. That's mm. not the route we want to take. And that's why we've created the STARS team that is made up of um, uh, colleagues from the High Commission, from the Consul General's Office, from Gauteng Government, from GGDA as well. Um, we meet, we report uh, to our political principles on a regular basis as well. But what we do is we identify not a hundred issues, three, four, five major issues that we're saying if we deliver on these issues we'll actually see an impact and Mm -hmm. that is what we're trying to do here let me come back to the High Commissioner, Her Excellency Ruchira Kamboj, in terms of, uh, you know, we've been speaking about the gains that South Africa could get uh, from uh, India's uh, robust business space. But what is India getting from South Africa as a trade? Um, well, it's always a two-way relationship. And uh, as much as South Africa gets from us, so we get the same from South Africa. In fact, we would like South Africa to engage much more, South African business to engage much more with India in our growth story. There is a new India, as we spotlighted during the summit, Mm. as there is a new South Africa. And I think that both countries should increasingly engage with each other in their respective growth stories.
And in terms of that growth, in terms of the beneficial uh, aspects, in terms of mutuality, uh, High Commissioner, what a lot of people are looking at is a shift globally in terms of uh, power blocks economically. And we know that uh, uh, BRICS includes both South Africa and India. And doesn't this actually duplicate what BRICS is trying to do? Or is it another supplementary offshoot of what's happening in uh, uh, the BRICS group? No, it is. Uh, there is no duplication. There is uh, complementarity. Our two countries uh, are cooperating bilaterally, and we hope that post the summit, the uh, areas of engagement will uh, widen and diversify and deepen. And in the BRICS track, we uh, are also cooperating very well with South Africa. Mm. And I should add here, it's not just BRICS. It's also the IPSA forum. It is also the Commonwealth, the Non-Aligned Movement, the G20, the IORA, and the United Nations. So there is no duplication. There is complementarity. Even as our two countries have a strategic bilateral partnership, the basis of which was laid 20 years ago, we are also great believers in multilateralism. So no, no duplication, but a complementarity of the two. And coming back to Jamil, before I let you and the High Commissioner go um, in a few minutes, I'm interested in challenges and making mm-hmm. sure that this actually manifests itself because in both countries there are challenges of inequalities and unemployment. And uh, how do you make sure that you create a sustainable business working environment when you do have those challenges in this very complex uh, society such as in India and South Africa? Look, I, I, I think the, the starting point also is, is firstly to acknowledge that there's always going to be challenges regardless of mm. what it is, what, what initiative that you're taking up. But the critical thing for me would be ensuring that there's the political will to basically see through these challenges. You know, there's, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, regardless of what the challenge or whatever the, the obstacle may be. Um, so that that's the first point. The second point, I think, is, and it goes back to, to the shared history that I was referring to earlier on. Um, we do have that shared history, um, and we do have a shared experience. Although we continents apart, um, I think there are similar um, socioeconomic uh, issues that both India and South Africa faces from from a um, colonial perspective to a um, you know lack of in- industrialization perspective towards the renewal that that the High Commissioner is talking about, we do share that we are in 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 many ways on that same trajectory. So for me, the key thing would be. Uh, an openness and a willingness to basically um, learn from each other as well and say, look, this is what you've done, you know. I mean, India has done some amazing work when it comes to microfinancing, especially around rural development, you know. How do we now pick up from from those learnings and lessons and say, how do we now um, replicate some of that? You know, some of it may be relevant, some of it may not be, but how do we, you know, look at the principles around around those kinds of practices and, and, and see that those um, those do indeed um, begin to, to, to inform what it is that we do as well. Finally, but not least, High Commissioner, I know that there was a memorandum of understanding that was signed on the last day of uh, the India-South Africa Business Summit. In terms of this memorandum, what stood out for you as the key points of partnership? Well, I think it was a very important beginning. This is the first MOU that has been signed between 
our two key investment agencies, Invest India and Invest South Africa. And I think this testifies to a rapidly growing economic and trade partnership between two strategic partner countries. Importantly, I think going forward, it is a matter of detail, but what is very critical and I would wish to point out here is that this summit is not a one-off effort. There is going to be quick follow-up action in collaboration with South Africa, GGDA and uh, Invest South Africa. Uh, we have identified certain target sectors which we will identify with the South African side and then we will get sector-specific delegations to come to South Africa or invite South Africa to India, to India to build up on this summit and under the aegis of the MOU between Invest India and India, Invest South Africa that has been signed. So in a way, the MOU is the umbrella and now we will action and work on the details and the immediate next step will be for sector-specific delegation, either from India to South Africa or South Africa to India, to work and take forward this relationship to the benefit of our two countries and people. So that is the significance of this MOU that has been signed. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time, High Commissioner. That's the High Commissioner of India uh, to South Africa, Her Excellency Ruchira Kamboj. We also were joined with Jamil Chant, who is the CEO, or rather acting CEO, of the Gauteng Growth and Development Agency based here in South Africa. Thank you both for giving us your time. We'll continue uh, just to get a breakdown from other analysts to look at the bigger uh, picture on this relationship between India and South Africa. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. It is you, the people, who are our true heroes. This is one of the most important moments in the life of our country. I stand before you filled with deep pride and joy, pride in the ordinary, humble people of this country. You have shown such a calm, patient determination to reclaim this country as your own from the rooftops, free at last. This year, 2018, marks 100 years since the birth of South Africa's first democratically elected president, Nelson Kholihlahla Mandela. Join Channel Africa, South Africa's international public service radio station, as we celebrate a centenary of the life and times of Madiba. Join us in a year-long broadcast campaign in honor of Nelson Mandela's legacy through a variety of informative radio programs. Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. Let us Well, thank you for joining us right here on our shortwave service, 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Uh, that's our main service into Sub-Saharan Africa. You can also listen to us on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Thank you for streaming us as well on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, let's look at uh, more of uh, the economic benefits of this relationship between India and South Africa. 
We're now joined by Amanda Fitchin, who is a senior lecturer at the Department of Economics at the University of South Africa. We also have Abdullah Varachia, who's a senior executive of the Program for Africa at the Gordon Institute of Business Science. Let me start with you, Abdullah. I know that you've worked in this particular area. Uh, I was actually referred to you by one of the professors from VIT saying that you've actually for a long time looked at trade links between India and South Africa. And as we were talking earlier on with the High Commissioner of India to South Africa, Her Excellency Ruchira Kamboj and Jamil Chant, the acting CEO of the Houghton Growth and Development Agency, it seems like the, robust, the robustness of industrialization is more in India and South Africa can actually lean into that industrialization. Uh, what are your thoughts around this particular relationship between the two countries? Sure, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I think two or three things. I think uh, in order to fully appreciate and understand the context of the relationship, we've got to really go back historically. And in going back historically uh, towards appreciating what happened post, uh, you know, the ushering of democracy in South Africa in 1994, uh, the initial foray of Indian investment into South Africa was largely driven uh, by large Indian manufacturing mining companies that set up operation here. This was in the late 90s, 97, 98, 99. And that really, I often argue, set up the base uh, for Indian investment uh, and its strategy into South Africa and arguably across the continent. What we then seen was a second wave of Indian investment uh, in the period 2006 up until 2008-9, which was largely premised on uh, Indian FMCG, fast-moving consumer goods companies, uh, Indian banking uh, companies, uh, and then very importantly, Indian IT, ICT companies. So setting up operations here. I think what we're starting to see now, post-2015-16, is building on the base of those two waves. It's a third wave of investment and opportunities emanating from India. I think, as you rightly say, it's on the back of India's resurgence in terms of the global economy. Uh, You know, India uh, is the one BRICS partner uh, and one of the global economies that are going through sizable economic growth, largely driven by manufacturing, uh, driven by uh, you know, obviously the fourth industrial revolution and yeah. Indian ICT companies playing their play. Sure. And so that obviously will have spin-off effects in terms of a bilateral partner like South Africa uh, that's got multiple linkages with India, be they political, be they historic, be they the sharing of a common citizen in Mahatma Gandhi, be they around sporting ties, be they around cultural ties, be they around affinity of having such a sizable Indian diaspora. And so it's a logical next wave uh, of uh, this relationship that we see playing out. Let me bring it to you, Amanda Fitchin. Do you think that uh, uh, with the growth that uh, India is uh, actually experiencing currently, that it will benefit anything from South Africa, especially since they're trying to strengthen this? And we saw it at the South Africa-India Business Summit where they seem to want to increase and maximize economic opportunities. And I asked uh, the High Commissioner of India, what does actually India have to gain from South Africa itself? And uh, she gave me a very vague answer to that but it seems like uh, India is actually doing us a favor or is this something that India can learn from South Africa? Good morning. Uh, I think the economies are fairly similar in their um, needs at the moment. Okay. One of the in South Africa we know we suffer a large amount of unemployment and India has similar um, problems. Mm. If one were to call them that, 
Um, so any focus on bilateral trade, if it were to ease the pressure on the number of jobs that we need to create, could be a good thing. Um, I don't know that anybody can specifically state uh, which sectors will benefit. It's not like this is the first time India and South Africa have been speaking to one another about uh, bilateral trade and um, advantage, economic advantage. So I'm not sure that anybody's going to put a number or, or, on jobs that are going to be created, nor mm -hmm. which particular sectors are going to benefit. Uh, unfortunately, one has to be be brutally honest in this and say we've tried this before and it's not necessarily brought about huge changes within either of the two economies. Mm -hmm. Let's hope that things are different this time. What were we getting wrong if you're saying that, Amanda? Why didn't we see a more of uh, an increased growth in terms of uh, this particular partnership or what this partnership can actually uh, create or bring forth? I think it, it, it isn't only tied to India or South Africa. Any form of trade and uh, development it takes more than good intention. And there are lots of issues that both India and South Africa need to grapple with within their socio-economic environments, which mm. will hamper growth and good intention. And it's those kind of issues that will um, stymie the intentions of the current um, uh, mm. negotiations. Um, within the South African, having said, let's look just at South Africa, mm. that we have a large unemployment um, rate. We have to unpack that and see what type of unemployment we have. Our unemployment is basically mostly unskilled labor. Um, so industry coming in from India could possibly not benefit any of our uh, unemployed because they don't have the skills that are required to gain from the trade, the bilateral trade. Um, that's just one example. Other mm -hmm. things that are going on in South Africa at the moment, we, it's no secret that um, our international capital flows to South Africa are... Um, being throttled by uncertainty within the market and within the economy, politically and economically. So the good intentions of India and South Africa um, are wonderful, but they have to be couched and seen in the realities of the economy. The government in South Africa is um, having to spend money now on for example, basic free education and at the tertiary level, monies which weren't set aside and budgeted for a couple of years ago. And so there's an opportunity cost. We're spending money on, on higher education now, and it's got to come from somewhere else. And those realities are going to impact on mm. the spending within the con economy generally. Mm. And unfortunately, that has to have an impact on more broad socioeconomic policies. Abdullah, good points brought forward there by Amanda. What are your thoughts on them? No, sure. I mean, I understand and I agree with, uh, with Amanda that the socioeconomic dynamics, whether they be around unemployment, whether they be around income inequality, uh, are vexing challenges for both economies. Uh, I think uh, we have to appreciate 
the the shifts that we've seen in terms of India's ability to be able to create uh, a very sizable middle class over the last 10 years on the back of uh, very inclusive economic growth that we've seen. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, the Indian IT ICT sector really started taking off in the late 90s on the back of uh, a very concerted decision by uh, a number of uh, companies or aspirant companies, uh, institutions of learning by government, by industry players to come together and say, how do we actually enhance our competitiveness as a country in terms of uh, skills in the ICT sector, in terms of building companies in the sector. And so at that time, it was relatively nascent. Today, the Indian IT ICT sector employs uh, over 3.5 million people directly uh, and 8.5 million people indirectly uh, through, obviously, associated jobs that come about. Uh, cities like Bangalore uh, have really flourished on the back of this uh, specific lens mm. towards a sector. And so I think it's, it's really appreciating that. Let's, let's, let's look at uh, you know, the, the view of how do we appreciate bilateral commercial relationships beyond politics. Mm. Uh, so when we look at business to business and firm to firm interaction, when we look at foreign direct investment and trade flows, uh, then we must appreciate what that has meant in terms of uh, the fact that we've got 158 Indian companies that are now operating in South Africa. What they do in terms of employment, what they do in terms of contribution to the fiscus, what they do in terms of uh, the enabling environment from an economic perspective, what they do in terms of skills, transfer. So as an example, in the auto sector, uh, there are a number of Indian companies that have set up manufacturing operations here to supply into the automat or automotive value chain. Uh, and that's resulted uh, in Babalegi in, in, in northern uh, Tswane employment creation. It's resulted in uh, contribution to the fiscus. And so I think firm-to-firm -firm interaction and firm-to-firm -firm engagement is what really drives these bilateral relationships. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and maybe also decipher some of the industries where we could see a real uh, robust um, uh, rejuvenation taking place. So you are listening to Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. you with me, Benjamin Mushatama, here on African Dialogue, where we look at uh, the big subject matters on the African continent. Today, we're looking at the Indian-South Africa Economic Partnership. What can be gained from these two countries? And and what can be done to actually increase the pace of economic country through their own partnership? Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with our guests after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. 
Well, you are listening to Channel Africa. Thank you for listening to us. So if you're listening to us uh, from Sub-Saharan Africa, thank you for being part of the Channel Africa family. And if you're listening to us on DSTV, you are listening on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Well, let's uh, sum up our conversation with our guests. If you're just joining us now, we've got Abdullah Varachia, who is a senior executive at the Program for Africa at the Gordon Institute of Business Science. I've also on the line Amanda Fitchin, who is a senior lecturer at the Department of Economics at the University of South Africa. Well, uh, let me stay with you, Abdullah, as we take things forward. I want to look at industries in terms of the ones that the two countries can learn from. You highlighted the banking industry, the ITC industry, and also the agricultural sectors. Um, and also the shipping networks are another element where we can actually even take the conversation there. On your, from your perspective, Abdullah, how, which industries stand out for you where we can see a, a more of a rejuvenation? I look at agriculture in South Africa. I think it's more slow-paced to what's happening in uh, India where it's, you have different types of agriculture for a, micro, a very uh, vibrant um, micro-agricultural sector even to a more organized uh, large-scale farming. And I think that South Africa can learn a lot from there. But what do you, what's your take? Okay, so I mean, uh, if you're talking about agro-processing, I think it's important to spotlight uh, uh, an interesting example of case study that comes out of India called Amul Dairy, which effectively is a cooperative, uh, uh, it's the largest dairy in India, it supplies mm. almost uh, a sizable component from a percentage perspective of all of the dairy, whether it be milk or cheese, uh, or any of the dairy produce across India, mm. and it really came about through this decision to build a cooperative uh, that takes supplies from a multitude of small-scale farmers across different geographies in India and to be able to then uh, put that under one umbrella and, and supply that. And that's really been empowering in terms of uh, small business development, in terms of cooperatives, uh, and in terms of looking at that. So that, from an agro-processing perspective, uh, you know, gives a, a perspective in terms of how do we amplify so, SMEs so, mm. uh, businesses. I think the second one uh, is uh, to be able to look at what are some of the sectors where South African companies have been particularly successful in India. If you look at financial services, uh, whether it be banking and first rand being the, uh, the first, and I think uh, arguably at the moment the only bank to have been granted a license to operate in India, it's done sizable work in the corporate and investment banking space in the intra-emerging market flows between India and Africa. So first rand's there, it's got a, a sizable presence down there. Uh, the Indian insurance sector, this is a continent, oh, sorry, a country uh, that's larger than the continental population of Africa. It's got 1.2 billion people. And the insurance sector is relatively new in India. It's really only a sector that has emerged in the last 10 years. And so you can see the, the nascent potential that exists mm-hmm. there. We have seen the expertise of South African insurance companies, and that has resulted in these insurance companies going and setting up operations in India. Momentum, Sunlam, uh, these companies have entered into joint ventures with Indian companies. So insurance the banking sector, then I see opportunities for South African companies in terms of the supply chain of retail uh, and also in terms of mining supplies. Uh, you know, I, I, I've helped, so I've seen and engaged with a number of interesting companies uh, that supply uh, uh, products that actually support the, the mining value chain. And so I think there is opportunities for South African companies. Is it easy to do business in India? No. Is it complex? Yes. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, business leaders in any market, whether it be in India or Nigeria or China or the U.S., 
or even coming into South Africa have to navigate the complexities to be able to build competitive advantage. Mm. Well, let me come to you, Amanda, your thoughts. Um, uh, now, I want to take it a little bit further with questioning this because today's the start of the Japan Africa Public Private Economic Forum right off the heels of the South Africa Indian Summit this past weekend. Uh, do you see these partnerships uh, uh, with the Japans and the Indias uh, as a way of uh, Sir Ramaphosa's grand uh, plan to raise his 1.2 trillion rands in investments? There's no doubt that any focus on um, an issue will be good for the issue. Um, and uh, getting economic growth, having the perspective of India and now Japan um, on our side has to be a ben- of benefit to South Africa. Um, and let's be honest, we have to try anything that's possible because the economy needs to grow. Uh, currently we're growing below the average population growth rate, so we're per capita becoming poorer as individuals each year. And so any focus um, on economic potential can only be good for the economy. Um, And two big economies, Japan and India, um, looking into South Africa and seeing um, possibilities for mutual benefit is undoubtedly a good thing. we can learn from them, they can learn from us, mm. and then perhaps economic growth will pick up uh, in South Africa. But um, as has already been said, I think the potential for growth is undoubtedly um, more so company to company mm. uh, than government to government um, because that's the way the international economic scenario is moving. Um, more privately run companies is seeing potential for growth, and that's where the um, benefits are to be had within the private sector rather than the public sector. And so mm. emphasis on private sector growth is uh, wonderful for the South African economy. My final question, Amanda, is, uh, you know, when we are linking with countries such as Japan and uh, the Indias, what is your thought in terms of the shift of thinking from an economic block uh, point of view, the way nations are thinking in the geopolitical space? I'm not sure that Japan would get um, involved in the geopolitical in- environment of Africa. They're not known as a country that gets involved um, in the politics of other countries. India, to a lesser extent, and then also because we're part of the BRICS, where India uh, directly has a, a, a say in and, and an involvement within economies wider than just South Africa. So my answer there is, um, I don't think many countries, and, and definitely not Japan, would like to be seen as trying to make a mm. difference in the geopolitical arena. Sure. All right. Thank you so much for both of you for giving us your time. That's Amanda Fitchen there, Senior Lecturer at the Department of Economics at the University of South Africa. Thank you as well to Abdullah Varachia, who is the Senior Executive for the Program for Africa at the Gordon Institute of Business Science. Thank you both for giving us your time.
time. That's how we wrap it up. Keep the conversation going on our social media. We really love hearing from you. And thank you to those who contributed in this debate on our social media. 